Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holmes. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Jill Cruz, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show again, Laura. Thank you for being here on the line. We are going to begin our conversation today talking about allergies. Spring is a time a lot of people have issues with allergies. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What's the science behind that? So, really, allergies is uh, your body's immune system kind of overreacting to something that it encounters in the environment. So it can be food, it can be, you know, pollen, it can be grass, it can be dust, it can be, you know, dust mites, it can be all sorts of uh, different things that your body basically uh, overreacts to uh, that, you know, it it shouldn't see it as something to um, respond to, but for whatever reason it does. There's a lot about allergies. You know, we don't completely understand why some people get them, why some people don't. Um, and it is something that can develop at any point in your life. And kids can get them, adults can get them, kids can get them and then outgrow them. You know, it's it's very um, it's a very broad category of things that uh, again people can react to. Um, you know, animal stings, bees stings. You know. Um, and then certain foods, you know, the shellfish, peanuts, milk, you know, whey protein. Um, there's lots of different different things that people can be allergic to and with a wide variety of reactions to those allergies. So it could be something as annoying as kind of um, a bit of a runny nose and, and scratchiness um, and as severe as what's called anaphylaxis, where you have a hard time breathing and your throat closes up. So um, wide range of things you can react to and a wide range of reactions to those things with allergies. You mentioned kind of runny nose and things like that. I, I, it seems like those kind of show up, um, especially in the springtime with some of those allergy triggers. Um, could you help us understand the difference between allergies and a cold and the flu, and now in the mix is COVID-19. How do we differentiate those? Yes. Well, a lot of them do have overlapping um, symptoms. So with allergies, it's a lot of times kind of the runny nose. Um, you, you can get sometimes a sore throat from all that drainage down the back of the nose, itchy eyes, watery eyes, um, sneezing. You can have coughing with it. Uh, but generally with allergies, you don't tend to get fevers. So that's kind of the, the big thing to help differentiate between colds, flu, allergies, and COVID is um, allergies generally won't have that fever, a component to it where, you know, COVID fever is one of the things we watch for. Influenza, definitely um, fever is something we watch for. Cold, you, you may or may not get a, a fever with um but yes, there there is a lot of of overlap. So it's kind of looking at that whole constellation of of symptoms with it. 
Um, again, with allergies, you can get a rash and kind of get hives that can come and go. Um, and we're also finding now with COVID that there can be some rashes associated with it. So it, it's very hard. That's where uh, talking to your doctor and kind of looking at all these constellation of symptoms and and also timing. So if this is something you get every spring when ragweed's now in bloom or when the dogwoods are in bloom, that would be a lot more reassuring. And, and kind of the duration of symptoms, again, allergies, as long as if you're allergic to something that's blooming, as long as whatever that is is blooming, you're going to have symptoms. Um, COVID, you know, and flu and cold, it, it's kind of a more sudden onset and usually a shorter duration. Um, you know, influenza, we're talking usually two weeks. COVID, you know, about to two weeks for those symptoms. But then the sequela of that with, you know, kind of this fatigue can last much longer for you to recover from that. So again, you're kind of looking at length of symptoms, duration of symptoms, and then kind of which things are all going together. So again, allergies are your itchy, watery eyes, runny nose, you know, sore throat. Um, it can also flare up asthma or eczema and, and does tend to go hand in hand with those conditions. So if you have sensitive skin or you have a history of asthma, that definitely can play a role in um, having allergies and, and they often do go together. Got it. Well, it's time for us to take our first break. Uh, we thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with your medical questions, perhaps about allergies or COVID-19 or whatever medical questions you would like to have us address this morning. And we will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. We are living in a stressful time as we deal with the global pandemic. The following are some tips to help your emotional health. Fuel your body by eating a healthy, well-balanced diet and drinking plenty of water. Aim to get seven to eight hours of sleep each night. Exercise every day. Take deep breaths and stretch often. Avoid risky or destructive behaviors, such as abusing alcohol or drugs, excessive gambling, or ignoring public health recommendations. Spend time outside, such as going for a walk in a park, but follow social distancing guidelines. If you feel overwhelmed by the emotional pressures, reach out to family, friends, or your medical provider. This tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605 692 30. We've been talking a little bit about allergies um, and uh, the different some of the different symptoms that we have with allergies, especially this time of year. Um, Dr. Cruz, how can we identify the causes of allergies, and is it important to identify the cause of the allergies? Well, definitely important to identify the cause of the allergy because if you know what's causing your symptoms, the best treatment is a good prevention. So if you know you're allergic to something, um, especially like something in foods, then the best way to 
treat that as not to be exposed to it in the first place. So the best way to find out if you are allergic to something is to do what's called the skin prick testing. And that's something that's done by an allergist, so like Dr. Luzier, Dr. Bubak, who are our guests on, uh, on call with Prairie Doc tomorrow. Uh, they will administer um, a small amount of kind of that purified antigen or what the body reacts to with the allergy to the skin. And they basically, it looks like they took a brush and they dipped the brush in um, each of these little liquid purified antigens. And then they put it on the skin and just kind of gently kind of scrape it in the skin. It doesn't break the skin. I know years ago people talked about getting you know, all these shots to, you know, do the allergy testing. Now it literally, it, it looks like a little brush that they dip in, put it on the skin, kind of um, kind of press it in there, and then you sit and you wait. And we have a control that we know, uh, it's a yeast antigen that we know everybody reacts to. And if you get a, a hive in that area and kind of based on how big the hive is, that tells you what you're allergic to and, and how allergic you are to it. And there's different um, sets of things that they can test for. They've got like a food allergy testing. They've got an environmental allergy testing. Um, they have ones for like trees and grasses. Um, they have ones for like indoor allergies like dust mites and dust. And um, so really kind of what they can tear your testing to what we're concerned about you reacting to. So if you're concerned about foods, then they'll do the food panel. If they're, you're concerned about, yeah, God, every time I go outside in the spring, I'm miserable. Every time I cut the grass, I'm miserable. They'll do kind of the environmental. And a lot of times they'll uh, test kind of the indoor ones because people are indoors. And so we're, we're all exposed to those indoor allergens. That's the most accurate uh, testing out there. There is a blood testing, but I, I know Dr. Bubak is not a fan of that one because it does tend to have some uh, false positives and false negatives, which means a false positive would say, yep, you're allergic to something when you actually aren't. And then, you know, you would end up avoiding something that would not cause a reaction. And, oh, I would feel terrible if someone was told they were allergic to chocolate and never ate it again, and, and they actually weren't. So you definitely want to know what your the true ones are. Um, and we'd also hate for it to say, yes, you're not allergic to something when you actually are, and then potentially um, have a bad reaction to that. So the skin testing is kind of considered what we call the gold standard or the best test that's out there. And that is done in a doctor's office. So in case you have a really bad reaction to it, um, we can stop it and we can monitor it because uh, as many people know, allergies can go anywhere from kind of a mild nuisance to uh, life-threatening anaphylaxis. And if that were to happen, you definitely want that to happen in a controlled setting where there's someone who can treat you right away with the epinephrine or an EpiPen to stop that reaction. Very good. Um, we did have a question come in. Um, it says a caller's 97-year-old mom is complaining about itching all over her body and has small white size spots, um, especially on her arms, bothering her. Any ideas mm -hmm. as to what that is and how to alleviate? Well, with, with any rash or skin condition, you really have to see it in person. So I would say either um, doing a virtual visit with their doctor or um, an in-person visit, kind of depending on their comorbidities. Again, with the age, I would say probably 
if we've got you have a good camera, um, start with a virtual visit there. When you have the small white dots, a lot of times that can be what's called the keratosis pilaris, and that's um, kind of an over um, growth of kind of the keratin in each of the hair follicles, and those can cause bumps and can be itchy. And that can be related with um, certain food allergies, or it can also be relate- related with like a gluten intolerance. So, um, again, without seeing it, it's pretty hard to uh, diagnose. But if it's itchy and it's a raised bump and there's something to see, uh, really nothing helps diagnose better than seeing it and and looking at that. So um, I would say it sounds like probably an allergy. And, again, um, the biggest thing about allergies is they respond to allergy medication. So if you take an antihistamine, um, then that and that helps with things, then that's also kind of pointing to the fact that your um, immune system is reacting, overreacting to this, and that it's uh, an allergy and not an infection. So if you took, you know, antihistamines and you had a cold, it, it might help a little bit with the nasal congestion, but really wouldn't do anything significant uh, for treating the problem. Uh, but if you're taking an antihistamine with allergies, you know, that's that's treating the problem, the actual uh, cause of what's going on here. So we do have to be a little bit careful with antihistamines in the elderly because sometimes it can cause confusion. It increases drowsiness and can increase the risk of falls. So um, especially as people get older, I would recommend what are called the second-generation antihistamines, which are less drowsy, like the Claritin, the Allegra, the Zyrtec, um, those medications are less sedating and make you less tired and drowsy, so less risk of falling with them as compared to the um, the old-fashioned Benadryl that uh, most people are, are familiar with for treating allergies. Here we go. We thank that caller for the question. Excellent question. And it's time for us to take our next break, and it's a great opportunity for you, our listeners, to call in with your medical questions. You can give us a call at 605 605- 692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Spring tries to present itself in the upper Midwest. Some of you may encounter problems with allergies. It is important to talk with your primary care provider or allergist before starting new allergy medications. Once a pattern of treatment has been established, it is generally recommended that you start your treatment routine several weeks before your particular allergy trigger. If you have questions about allergy care, talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Cruz, you've touched a little bit on treatments um, for allergies and some options for at home. Uh, You mentioned the antihistamine. Um, As someone who uh, is just maybe heading into the grocery store or the drugstore to look for something, uh, what do you recommend for over-the-counter options for dealing with allergies? So the over-the-counter options, um, definitely, you said uh, brand names would be Claritin, Zyrtec, and um, 
Allegra are the three main ones that are over the counter now that are the, what we call the second generation antihistamines. So they're the non-drowsy versions. Um, there's also generic versions of all of these that are cheaper. So if it says, you know, contains the same ingredients as Claritin, you're getting the generic um, version that, you know, the effects affinity. So that is, um, I would say, a good place to start. If it's really bad, Benadryl um, tends to work well, but again, it's usually so sedating that most people can't take it. So I say if you need something a little bit stronger, take some Benadryl at bedtime. That definitely will help with things. And um, the more you can kind of rinse out those nasal passages, if it's uh, you know pollens or, or things, that will help. So using like a nutty pot, and that's just basically putting in a buffered saltwater solution so it doesn't feel like water going up your nose at the swimming pool. It's, it's buffered, so it's the same pH, so it shouldn't sting and burn. But using that to kind of flush those allergy toxins, or not toxins, but flush those allergens out of the nasal passages where they kind of get caught on the nasal hair cells. So the more you flush it out, the less your body has to react to. So, again, flushing those allergens out will help with things. Uh, another thing that can kind of help calm down uh, allergic reactions, especially if your main thing is kind of the itchy um, nasal symptoms, is uh, do, using like the nasal steroids, uh, like the Nasonex, the Flonase, um, the Veramist. All of those will help. And actually the um, Flonase Sentimist also has been uh, clinically proven to help with kind of the itchy, watery eye symptoms as well. So that's that's the only one that has the indication for the eye. And that one, um, it's a it's a mist. And so the other ones are sprays where you kind of get that, that water flushing in the nose sensation that a lot of people aren't fond of. Um, but that one's actually a mist. And I've, I've tried that one and you really don't feel it go into the nose at all. So if you want to feel it and know that, yeah, I got there and it it got all the way to the back of your throat and you taste it like you do with the other nasal sprays. That one, you're not going to have that uh, reassurance of that bad taste in the back of the throat um, because it is such a fine microparticle mist, uh, but it is very effective. And um, actually, I've tried it and was quite uh, impressed with it. So um, those are your kind of over-the-counter options uh, that yeah, you have um, at this point. I was going to say, may I interrupt for just a second now, those nasal yeah. sprays and such. I think I've heard that you have to be careful we don't use them too for too long of a time. Is that correct? Nope. Is that, that is not correct. You that, you're okay. thinking about um, the old um, nasal decongestant afrin sprays. Now, with afrin, you can get rebound congestion. That is not a steroid. Okay. So these are safe to use long-term. So afrin, yes, that one okay. will cause the rebound stuffiness and will make things worse if you use it more than one to two weeks, but these are safe to use um, long-term. And again, it's low-dose steroids, and it's just staying kind of in that nasal uh, mucosa area and not really spreading to the rest of the body, so you don't get kind of the problems you have with taking, like, prednisone orally, uh, where it can cause kind of issues if you take high doses for long periods of time. So, nope. So, but I, so I, I know exactly those. what you're talking about and what you're thinking of, so no, that's not an issue with these. Okay, so if you have if you have like an environmental allergy, um, using that is is safe for an extended mm-hmm. period of time while that's while that's in the air and all that. Okay, yep, use it through that season. I had another question um, regarding Benadryl. You know, some so if we have a rash or some sort of skin irritant, um, 
you know, Benadryl offers both a cream option, or I'm sure several do offer both a cream option or something you ingest. How do you decide mm-hmm. which would be best to use, or what do you uh, recommend? A lot, a lot of times I, I take a look at what's the surface area. So if you've got one little spot on your ankle, you can use a cream on that. Or if you just one area that hit poison ivy or poison oak, you can use a cream on that. If all of you is covered, you can't put cream on all of you. So mm-hmm. um, then it would be better to use the oral. Again, oral um, kind of goes to everywhere in your body and and helps with that, where the cream just helps exactly where you put it. So it depends on how severe and how big of a surface area is covered. So small areas, or if you had just kind of a contact allergy, like, um, again, you know, allergy to nickel and just where your your button hits from your jeans, or, you know, you, you brushed against something like poison ivy, poison oak, and it's a small area, creams are great. The... Um, Oral medications are a little bit stronger, and again, if you've got a huge area, like all of you as hives, then you're definitely going to want to use the oral medication and not the creams, because it's just not, you'll use one tube in, in two days, so that's that's not really practical or feasible. And what about specifically for kids? What do you recommend? I feel like um, I'm always extra cautious about what I give my kids, or, you know, um, what, if, is there a better option with better option for when you're helping a child with something like that? Um, again, I'm a, a big fan of the, the second generation. The Zyrtec and um, Claritin seem to be the ones that have been used the most in kids and been researched the most to be safe. Benadryl you have to be a little careful with, with children because they can get what's called a paradoxical reaction, where instead of making them sleepy, they bounce off the walls and mm-hmm. they get very hyped up and you really don't know which category your child's going to be in until you try it. So I know a lot of parents have uh, you know, given their kids Benadryl, thinking it would make a plane ride a little bit uh, more pleasant for everyone involved, and only found out that now they have a child that is acting like they're on a sugar high for the entire plane flight, and that's not fun for anyone. All right. So, again, those second generations are much uh, gentler and safer, and they are... Um, children's versions out there so and we're talking children two and up um we don't want to be using this in in younger kids so got it we did have another question come in regarding benadryl uh some doctors say it's very dangerous to take benadryl can you talk about the risks associated with benadryl yep so again that's that risk of the side effects with the the drowsiness and then risks of falling so i'm not a big fan of benadryl either uh, it's just because it can cause that um, those paradoxical reactions because that can happen in children can also happen in adults where it kind of just messes with your head because it can cross the blood-brain barrier and that's why it makes you so foggy and um, can increase that risk of falling, increase that risk of confusion, can cause dry mouth. It can really uh, there's a lot of unpleasant side effects with it and there's so much better options out there now with the second-generation ones that don't cross that blood-brain barrier. Um, So they're less what we call centrally acting and and don't affect the brain, so you can still think clearly. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of Benadryl either, and I don't know. We we use it when we have to, and, uh, again, at night, if someone's going to be asleep and out, if you're younger, uh, again, if it's someone who's elderly and normally gets up a few times at night, you know, maybe to use the restroom, Probably Benadryl at bedtime is not the best choice. Again, there's 
there's other options here that you can use. So yes, um, okay. there is a good reason to be concerned about Benadryl just because it's it's an older medication um, with some more potential side effects. All right. Well, it's time for us to take our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Uh, we have just a few minutes left. If you want to call us with a question, give us a call at 605-692-1430. We'll return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Hospice is medical care designed to maximize comfort and quality of life for patients facing terminal illnesses. Hospice provides pain management, emotional support, help with family caregiving, and spiritual care to patients and their families when a cure is not possible. Brookings Health System employs a caring team of professionals and volunteers sensitive to the changing needs of patients and family members during this difficult time. To find out more about hospice in Brookings, South Dakota area, call 696-9000 or talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. We thank you for um, your questions you've given us today so far for our listeners. And thank you to Dr. Cruz for answering these. We're all learning so much today. Um, I wanted to touch on uh, something that's interesting is how sometimes people develop allergies as they go through life, and others may have an allergy that goes away. How does that work? We don't know. (laughs) The answer is we don't know. Uh, I wish we knew. So, um, yes, if you get them earlier in life, uh, children about... Um, two to four percent of kids will get a food allergy, and a lot of those will outgrow them as they get older. Uh, we're also finding that if you um, have children kind of exposed to allergy-causing foods like peanuts uh, younger in life, then they're less likely to develop allergies to those foods as they get older. So initially, and this is kind of a big uh, paradigm shift and change in thinking um, that's literally just happened kind of in the last five years. Because um, before we were like, oh, don't give kids peanut butter. You could give them a peanut allergy. And, and now we're finding, well, if you give them a little bit of peanut butter when they're younger, they may not get a peanut allergy. So um, we're medicine is constantly changing. We're constantly learning and trying to be better. So why why kids outgrow? We're not exactly sure. Why do you get them allergies again as you're an adult? Again, not exactly sure why your immune system decided to. Uh, suddenly react uh, aggressively to something that it was fine with previously. Um, I, I know my brother had several food allergies growing up that he uh, outgrew, and I um, I learned at a very early age that if I went to a friend's house, I could exploit that and just say I was allergic to whatever it was I didn't want to eat and <laughs> got away with it. So, um, yeah, because my Carter. brother could say that and he got away with it. So, so why couldn't I? Um, mm-hmm. My friend's mothers became very suspect and called my mom and, and found out that, no, I'm not really allergic to um, asparagus, but, uh, you know, <laughs> nice try. So, um, yeah, I, right now we really don't have a good understanding of why, um, you know, is it something where the body just kind of sees that antigen enough and then um, learns to let
lessen or dampen its response like it does when we give allergy shots. Uh, I would say that would be kind of one theory, but we don't have a, a good uh, grasp on exactly why that happens and, and why it goes away in some people and, and others not. We have one more question um, Can aller- from a caller. Can allergies be imagined or psychosomatic? Um, imagined, I mean, it's, that is a very interesting question. Um, that's always a very hard thing to, I always hesitate to label something psychosomatic, although psychosomatic things are very real, um, and cause very real reactions, um, because the brain is incredibly powerful, and there can be, uh, things where, Basically, your mind tells yourself something is real, and and it's not. Um, so, can it be? Um, it's. I would say it's possible, but it would be a, a vast minority of of cases. Um, you know, if someone's got hives, it's pretty hard to fake that. Um, mm-hmm. But again, body can cause. There's something called a factitious pregnancy where a woman looks like they're pregnant and their stomach gets bigger and they have all the symptoms of being pregnant like morning sickness but they're not so um, that would be a psychosomatic disease where you get all the physical manifestations and symptoms with um, not actually being pregnant so you know can that happen with allergies I would assume so does it happen often I would say not it's not something that I've run into um, in my practice so I would say quite rare, um, but not impossible. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Cruz, for this excellent information. Uh, You can learn more and hear more from Dr. Cruz um, tomorrow night on South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television um, and on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. Be sure to tune in for On Call with the Prairie Doc, most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. This Thursday, May 14th, Prairie Doc hosts Jill Cruz and guest Tom Lazier. Uh, from Aberdeen Asthma and Allergy and Mark Bubach from Dakota Allergy and Asthma take questions about allergies and treatments. So tune in for that tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on South Dakota Public Broadcast Television. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc Library, visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz for joining us today. As Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.